broadcasting live from the Winthrop House. You're now listening to the Safe Negro Podcast Show. Welcome back, Internet, to another episode of the Safe Negro Podcast, where we talk about all things Lovecraft Country, HBO, and Traverse the World with your very favorite Safe Negroes. I am Tatiana King, one of the Safe Negroes in this outfit, along with my For All Nerds podcast host, DJ Ben Amin, aka the second to last black man in Brooklyn. <laughs> and also joined by my favorite, Portia Patterson Hurst. No AKA today. Oh, no AKs today? I don't have it. I just don't have any. Oh, you usually come with the with the fire, you know, the 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 ones that you gotta think about for a while, you know? People got to be reading a book and stuff like that. But anyway, glad to see you both here. Happy that everyone has joined. We are back now with a recap and review of episode five. We're halfway Ooh. there, y'all. Episode five is titled Strange Case, which refers to the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This episode was directed by Cheryl Dune, who is also a Liberian director known for The Watermelon Woman and Stranger Inside. We have our teleplay by Misha Green and Jonathan Kidd, story by Wes Taylor. And I also want to point out, again, the costume by Dana Pink because Dana has been making it rain on mm. the characters when it comes to fire costumes. So mm. definitely wanted to put our shout out for that. So this episode is a lot going on. Let's just give you oh, all the okay. basic plot. Um, Ruby gets her white woman on and learns that the grass is probably not that much greener on the other side. Tick beats the living daylights out of Montrose for killing Yahima. Uh, he sends Montrose off, who now decides he wants to deliver some deep dicking while doing a deep diving into his own demons. Eventually, he finds freedom in the domain of drag. Atticus and Letty reconcile over their histories of violence and find some solace in each other's arms. And of course, Atticus deciphers more of the language of Adam, forcing him to phone a friend. But that friend may not have the answer he is looking for. Um, before we get started, it's, a, it's, a, it's one major conversation that we've been having prior to recording, and we wanted to share it with you all. Uh, from this episode on out going forward, we're going to mention some content warnings, particularly for this episode, Strange Case. There are content warnings for sexual violence, rape blood and gore in their transformations and sexual harassments. Now, a lot of you may be saying, hey, Safe Negro Pod, why now are you warning us? You didn't warn us before. Well, there are reasons for that, and we wanted to talk to you all about that very quickly. Um, I like how you said, hey, Safe Negro Pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, that's how I would be as a listener. I was like, hey, guys, you didn't yeah. talk about us before. So. Um, true indeed, and we didn't. And I know that, uh, Portia, you brought it up, so I think I'll let you uh, start off why we are want to bring these... Uh, content warnings i would also add that we need a content warning for racism mm. <laughs> overt <laughs> overt and covert yes yeah. yes absolutely yeah um so i brought it up because it's something that like it's been weighing on my brain after the discussions that happened last week's episode. well it's been weighing on my brain since the beginning of the show mm. um or any of the shows that i watch when i'm watching something especially when we were, we were talking game of thrones right oh. and we talked about like gratuitous rape scenes or whatever and it like bothered me whenever like 
stuff they put right in the episodes that did not ever occur in the books and i always sit there questioning like why what was the point what was the reason um and that's what kind of like got to look like last week after the discussion about um the portrayal of yahima's character um and how it kind of like how the camera panned in on them how that was kind of like a a front to how gender is represented how they are represented how um, this kind of discussion has been talked about before numerous times, like the harm given to displaying different gender identities, um, especially in like pieces like Disclosure, which we can find on Netflix, a documentary, how like over history, um, filmmakers have done a really bad job about like harming, like perpetrating the idea of being able to show these things and it being harmful to depictions of people over time. Um, so I thought if we could just like be better going forward and especially like, being Black people, we go through crap all the time. That's harmful. And I don't want to perpetuate harmful things onto other people knowing better. Like, I would like to do better mm. going forward. Mm. So I just, like, wanted to bring that up as a thing. Like, you know, even, like, the violence gore. Like, sometimes you just don't, you're not in a mood for that. So if I got a warning um, beforehand, it would be good to know. And I could, you know, choose and go from there. So hopefully it's helpful to listeners as well. Mm. Indeed. Yeah, and I fully 100% agree with everything you said there. And I just, I think I just tweeted this the other day when I was saying that just because your life was brought up in a system of terrible nonsense doesn't mean that the next person's life should be as well. But I also have to say, and I'm glad that you brought this up, is that we go through so much as black people. And I feel like what we go through, especially in terms of media and entertainment, has been normalized through so many ways. But like, I mean, through our music, through our media, through television, through films. Even on this show, and even um, and it, not just black people, but to a lot of people, and we don't want to do the same things to other people, right? That's the thing. But we also have to recognize that we've normalized it to ourselves in some cases. Like Atticus has been shown naked pretty much every episode, or nude, or stripping something. You know, they are always finding a way to get this brother out of his clothes. <laughs> And, police, though. Uh, and, and and fully understandable why my man right, has right, right, put right, in the work. Aside, yeah. But jokes aside. But yeah. jokes aside, you know, yeah. there's a scene in one of the earlier episodes where he is being watched by white women when he's being prepared to kill. Uh, like as if he's being presented for a slave auction, right? As um, he's being presented as food because you wash your food mm, as you prepare, you prepare it and consume it. So all, all these various things, right? Yeah. George is shot and killed by a white man. At the same time, Letty is shot and killed. You know, Letty is resurrected, of course. Uh, numerous white racists are killed in horrible ways, right? Just because they're white racists doesn't not make them human beings at the same time. As the show points out, right, earlier in the episode when they first talk about uh, John Carter of Mars. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Montrose spends weeks imprisoned by white people. These are just some examples that I could bring up, right? But these examples, for the most part, are just glossed over. While when Yahima is killed, it becomes a whole thing. Why is Yahima being used for a plot point? Why is Yahima being presented like this? But it's not the same uproar over the, you know, things that happened to Jonathan Majors, to Atticus, really, to his character. And I feel like that's just because it's been normalized. I was even bringing this up off the episode. We were talking about uh, Django Unchained, which is by Quentin Tarantino. So that goes with its own thing. But when he made it, he said that he wanted to create a black superhero. But in the film, Django, while he goes through all this dope shit, he also goes through all this horrible shit that you would never see happen to a white superhero. You know, him even being a slave in the first part isn't what a white superhero's origin would be. You know, it's just like with Luke Cage, his origin is from prison. You know, while 
other superheroes just get bit by radioactive spiders. And it's normalized, you know what I mean? And we accept it. And we're like, yeah, you know, I can't wait to see more seasons of Luke Cage and all this stuff. And we can't wait to see Atticus naked. And, you know, when black well, people... Can't, so... <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, I'm understandable. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. No, I'm, no, I'm... no, no, it's fine. It's great. It's great. No, it's great to have that because, like, when Letty got naked this episode, I was like, yes, finally. You know, at the same time, I'm like, you know, she there's good. their bodies look good. They're training. Oh, you know, to you. Props, you know, salutes. But it's like we also have to understand these things and really distrust them. So that's why I want to say, like, that's why I said, let's make sure we add in that thing about racism, right? If we're going to do um, content trigger warnings for all these other things, let's put racism at the top of it. Let's put what we, uh, once again, shout out to Lock It Down. Let's put toxic whiteness, toxic patriarchy at the stop at the top of these things, right? Because that's what people are not understanding. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in a lot of reviews of this show. People are like, oh, they didn't get into racism enough. And I'm like, fam, you yeah. got to understand how the system works. It's not, it's not about racism. It's about toxic whiteness, toxic patriarchy, because those things cause everything else. You know what I mean? You had a Native American, you have indigenous societies that represented five genders, that recognized five different genders. We discussed this on last week's episode. Now you have Native American societies that are corrupted by toxic whiteness and toxic patriarchy. We're in 2020. They're just like us, where we're like, straight, bye, you know, this, you know, all this nonsense. You know what I mean? It's all because of this corruption. So we got to recognize that at the top first. You know, before we start getting angry over every little symptom of this disease, you know, let's cheer the fucking disease. And with that going forward, <laughs> you will get content warnings for each episode. So now we're going to jump right on in. Ooh. Now that the, the, the groundwork has been laid there, let's yes. jump right on into analyzing episode five, Strange Case. Let's start with the themes. As you all know, there are amazing themes that are that get inserted into. I don't want to say inserted, but they get written into each episode, and then um, you see the pattern throughout. One of the major themes of this episode were transformations, as we mentioned with the show title being a reference to the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Most of you should know what that story is about. But it, it, real quick, in that basically, this scientist takes this potion that changes him from this you know real sciencey guy to this horrible man named named uh, mr hyde that commits murders and all sorts of fuck shit um and you can argue uh the fact that he does this because he wants to be this he wants mm. to be able to do whatever he wants to do live his life without any rules and all this other stuff um and also uh when you think about it and it happens a lot in this episode uh remove the uh, the I don't want to say blame, but basically remove the responsibility of what you do. So mm. basically, for example, you you say all your life you wanted to be a criminal, you wanted to rob banks, but you know me, Tatiana, I would never. That's never in my nature. But I was I was Black Cat, the, you know the super, the, 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 the super villain. Then I can do it all, and I won't sully my own name. So basically, you covering yourself in masks, you covering yourself in costumes. Uh, and as I mentioned, you see that a lot happen in this episode. Mm. Um, real quick on that point, it also like uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde inspires so many other things, or is inspired by things such as werewolves. But in particular, to modern people, it inspires the Incredible Hulk. You know, the whole tale of the Incredible Hulk is a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde story. It's about, you know, a man who represses everything and then the Hulk comes out and allows himself to express everything. 
And in this case, I think it also refers to how society traps people in roles. You know, once again, going back to toxic whiteness, toxic patriarchy, how that, you know, and how to, and Dr. Jekyll is even about that, to like let go of what society tells you to do and just wild out, do whatever you want, you know? And we're going to get into that, but yep. Definitely. Um, one of the main things we see happening throughout the episode in terms of transformation is Ruby turning into a white woman, Hillary Davenport, and back. And she and she transforms several times. So this is where we, we talk about the whole the gore trigger and all that stuff because it, it's a violent process. It's not something where it's just like it's not a Sailor Moon transformation where it's rainbows and sparkles. It is literally she's in the you see her typically in the body of Hillary and then once the potion wears off the serum wears off her body literally starts to break it's like her body starts crumping and then the <laughs> the skin melts off of her there's blood gushing out of her body like it's it's a it's a lot and it's and it also goes to show you that this is this isn't a fun thing that happens it's not like oh i'm gonna be a man today let's 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 change into this role like it's it's as far as ruby is showing it's an excruciating process yeah it's even like d worse than the pictures i've seen of like werewolves in a lot of media like werewolf transformations i've seen some pretty grotesque ones in different like tv shows and movies wait and this was... <laughs> no go ahead no, I'm just, there's been really bad ones before I've seen. Mm -hmm. And this is just like, it kind of like goes beyond it. And I guess like, it's kind of like a commentary to like being a different human is like worse than like transforming into like, a, like it's like a deeper transformation. It's a kind of like it's mm. more of a struggle in the process. Like that's how I kind of took it. Cause like, even like animals, right? Which I, I mean, yeah, it's a teen series or whatever, but like <laughs> they transform into animals and it's, bad look like it's like gross but it's like it's not as like bloody and like torturous and like they don't have their veins pop out and like their like bo their body parts like fall apart um which it, i feel like this episode they did that a lot with the transformations in this episode and as i'm thinking did we ever see ruby turn into the white woman we only see her ever turning from hillary back into ruby do we ever see her? Like, do we ever, like, we know what's mm. happening. Do we ever watch that? Now, no. And that's why the other reason why I, I just struck me that it was so violent. Every time she turns back into a black woman, it's a violent, excruciating process. Like, it's like she has to enter back into that world of pain and suffering. Damn. I think at one point she transforms in the episode and it's not, at, it's like, it's like after she's done it a couple of times and, it's, and it wasn't it, as Yeah, bad. like she was used to it by that time. Yeah. And I thought that that was like indicative of like, oh, well, she, if you take time, it kind of gets better over time. Um, but then the next one after that wasn't as great. So I was like, well, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> Christina's, Christina's transformation, um, she... Like, it looks like it's still Ooh. crappy, but it's not like she's like, it doesn't seem like she's falling as apart as much as the way that Ruby does. So mm -hmm. it might be like you're saying, like a discussion about like being a black woman again. It's just a really like going from white woman to black woman is such a like big thing. Mm. It's it's huge. Um, Ben, Wait. you had a go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say you had a comment um, about this. The next part where you there were there was a I don't know who said this, but they mentioned locusts. Oh yes, like, locusts and the grasshoppers, and you had some great notes about this. Could you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. There's a whole lot of references to both locusts and um, butterflies in this episode, and that yeah. was really interesting to me because it's used like not interchangeably. Both things are mentioned in this episode, and butterflies, as everyone knows, go from caterpillars to butterflies, so they actually have a complete transformation of 
you know, their whole body, right? They're one thing and then they're a whole other species. I mean, same species. whole structure. Whole structure, everything The caterpillar body crumps into a butterfly. Yes, there we go. While with locusts and grasshoppers, this is something I just effing learned this, right? I never knew that grasshoppers and locusts are the same damn thing. Mm -hmm. I I know that locusts and uh, what's the one, cicadas are the same thing and all that, but I, I did not know that they're just actually grasshoppers. I grew up with grasshoppers, and the only difference is that grasshoppers and locusts is how they group together, right? Once, like, when they're grasshoppers just chilling by themselves, they're considered grasshoppers. But when they grow into these large, you know, effing swarms, that's when they become locusts. And that's wild interesting to me on some, like, real thing. It's something that I like to, I mean, I don't like to say, but I often talk about whiteness this way, right? And uh, patriarchal and men this way. When there's one, two, it's fine. When you start seeing three, four, five, six, it's a problem, right? If there's no, if there's not an equal amount of women or an equal amount of people of color, you know what I mean? When you see, when you have a group and it's so F thing is it becomes that projection thing. That's what they used to do to us during slavery, right? They would say you can't gather in groups, but that's like, because they know how they are when they gather in groups. Mm. You can see white people looking at us like, oh, here, all these black people, here come all the locusts. Like, we're, we're a plague onto them. You know how they, as you you see time and time again in Lovecraft Country, it's always a problem where there's more than two gathered in one place. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying, and I just realized that because I never knew that about grasshoppers and locusts, right? When they're mm-hmm. solitary, they're fine. When you get a bunch of them together, it becomes a plague. Yeah. <laughs> that becomes so, my TED Talk for today. <laughs> so the the reason the other reason why you we, you were mentioning that about the locusts and the butterflies mm-hmm. and all that because that those those analogies were made with the different characters of the episode. Yes. So some of the things we were we were discussing among ourselves was you know who then represents the butterfly of the episode? Is mm. it Montrose? Is it Ruby? Who represents the locust? Um, and there's and as we as Ben as you mentioned throughout the episode, you literally see these CG butterflies flying around. Um, I know in the title card. Uh, under the title Lovecraft Country, they usually have this root symbol, like, you know, the bottom of the tree root, but it was in the shape of a butterfly. And I don't know if it's always has been like that or I just noticed. I think I it's been changed in every episode. So okay. I think that's for okay. this episode. But but when I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is, again, the theme of the episode that continues on. Um, so did anybody have any comments about that? Like, who's the butterfly? Who's the locust? I, is is I, Macho's the butterfly? Yeah, I, I, okay. I was thinking that bit because that drove back to something about, like, we, I didn't finish that thought really about the butterflies and caterpillars. It's that locusts yeah. just, they molt. They do what's called molting, where they shed their skin. But they're still a grasshopper. They're still a locust. You know, they don't change into a whole nother form. So that's what my question is like, Montrose in this episode gets this kind of redemption arc, which me personally, I, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. You know, f- it's still F Montrose over here. Yeah, for real, but. Um, but, you know, while Ruby, does Ruby really change in this episode or does Ruby just reveal what she already is? Is it like, you know, the, the hide and Jekyll thing here? You know, that's my question. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's great. I think that's a great question uh, to think about and i'm sure we may have a better answer as we continue mm-hmm. um also in terms of transformation uh, we do get to have a scene with montrose and drag queens um shangela from rupaul's drag race is actually in this episode i love shangela um you see her when she's getting ready she's walking over wearing the black lingerie and that pink turban uh, you do see sammy in drag which is interesting because uh an episode before and even 
prior, we there was discussion about whether or not Machos is gay, and then the, the people he associate with were they also gay. And now you see that him and Sammy actually do have some type of relationship, either forming or has always been there, and maybe Machos just never claimed Sammy. Um, and then you, we get to see in the, the entry into the world of of drag and queer culture in Chicago in, in that fictional setting. Mm. And uh, there's a, I mean, Porsche, I know you got some say on this, and there's a lot about that. Cause we even got to go back to, you know, Montrose beating up, I mean, Atticus beating up on Montrose and, you know, the fact that he's beating the man who used to beat him. And when he shows up at Sammy's crib for Sammy to say, was it the Negroes or the whites this time? You know, who's beating on you? Because as a gay man, you face, you know, both persecution for both of those. And Sammy just thinks he probably got beat up for being gay. And he doesn't realize that he's getting beat up for being, you know, the continuation of last week's episode, the whole history of violence that, you know, Montreux, I mean, the Atticus has to go through his own transformation in this episode. And so that's like, you know, could that hit me? Because once again, all, all the relations always hit me because I you know, was hit by my old man and I got to the point where I could hit my old man. You know what I mean? And it was like, I never did, but you know, you got to that point where you was like, oh, this dude can't test me no more, you know, because I'll lay his ass out, you know? And your dad will start to understand that at that point too, you know? Like, my dad and our relationship changed once we I got to that point, you know? Just an unspoken thing. And mm-hmm. Montrose and Atticus have never had an unspoken thing. So they had, they had a very, spo- I mean, it was still pretty unspoken right there while, you know, at, but Atticus let him know that the power dynamics in their relationship have changed from this point on. You know, it's never going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. And and you even see that dynamic, the change in the dynamic between Montrose and Sammy and again with their relationship. And I mean, and I yeah, yep, like yep. I said, just just being able to have uh, you know, the the culture of drag queens being brought in through this story is very important and interesting because black queer culture is has moved history of America. Um I do know like in Chicago, like they had their first uh uh like drag queen festival in 2019 which was the 50th year anniversary of like the stonewall riots and um it was their first one ever Mm. now they've had now chicago had a rich history of 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 queer culture and lgbtq um uh, 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 uh like social items happening but for that to be like kind of the very first time they'd be able to do that is very interesting to me um and then Portia, you had mentioned that there were, you know, we have the history of ballroom that had been mentioned here. Yeah, I mean, this is, it took me back, like seeing the ballroom scene, you know, we've been, you know, in culture, like recent culture, we've seen mm-hmm. like RuPaul's Drag Race, like being around for a while now. And, and RuPaul's been out as like a personality or whatever for a while as well. Um, so I feel like there's some like things like around ballroom that we're pretty like familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've never really seen ballroom portrayed like in the period past, like in the past. Mm -hmm. And so it took me back to like conversations I've had with my friends who are like black gay men and how they talked about how like they thought about what it was like to be black and gay in times of like slavery and like, how could that, how did they make it, you know, um, and so it, it took me a minute to look through like some things about like, oh, where the drag of uh, drag queens and like black drag and ballroom how did that first look like um and i looked up this um 
He's a Black queer historian and educator, Channing Gerard Joseph. Mm. Um, he would look back and through history, he did the work um, and found William Dorsey Swan, who was a former slave who became the world's first self-described drag queen mm. um, and progenitor of ballroom culture in 1880s Washington, wow. D.C. Wow. Wow. Hate you. We gonna claim it. <laughs> you know how we do. <laughs> but back in the and he was born in like the 1860s, right? So he went through. He was a former slave, and he um, once after the Civil War happened, like he like was doing balls and stuff or whatever, and like he was getting persecuted for having balls by the police, by people in the community, um, and. It's something that's really interesting to hear about like that. And then like in the 1920s in Harlem, there was also like gay scenes in ballroom and they're kind of like, you know, under the wraps or whatever you had to know to get in. But then also like they were well enough known for police to go and try to shut them down as well. So people were being persecuted over time for their queerness, for doing the things like in silence, having these closed spaces to be themselves. And yet they still could, they still what had people coming in and trying to persecute them for them. So it just reminded me a lot about like how much it's how hard it is to be black and then be black and something, especially throughout history. And it was really interesting to see them make this like a really like, I see for me, it wasn't like a redemption of um, Montrose. It was Mm. more of a, like an escape. Like mm. a like a seeing a different side of him, but it didn't re- like he didn't do anything that was redemption worthy. He didn't change anything. He didn't know. move any differently. It's just that he we got to see a different part of him, mm-hmm. and I mean, sure that's fine. But I feel like for the ballroom itself, he wasn't particip. He wasn't like a he wasn't in drag. He wasn't like leading thing. He was just kind of like there and a part of this community and like being and the part community of that. Was walking all. him in him in. Yeah, and even yeah. whenever he was, like, he looked battered or whatever, they were willing to, like, you know, help uplift his spirits or whatever, which mm-hmm. is, like, it's perfect for that. But I don't think, I think that the transformation that we see here, it's more of, like, he has a place he can go yep. where he doesn't feel alone, mm. where yep. he's not, like, isolated, mm. um, where some of those, like, maybe some of that anger goes away for a while because he's just surrounded by, like, beauty and grandness or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought... Like for that part, like the ballroom culture and then thinking about the history of that, I was just thinking, oh, like all Montrose has known has not really probably been like the freedom to be like himself or to be around other people freely, like himself Mm -hmm. freely. So of course he would know how to get in. And I liked that we got to see that um, portrayed. And I also want to mention that the historian that I mentioned, Channing Jura Josephs, that he wrote a book about um, William Dorsey Swan, and it's coming out in 2021. Um, and it's also been optioned for a film by Lee Daniels um, and American Beauty producer uh, Bruce Cohen. So we're probably going to see more about this story, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I will and, say yeah. um, that Montrose did do a slight bit of transformation, though, in this. I mean, I wouldn't call him full locust because he did go from not you know, being able to kiss Sammy on the lips and not really expressing their relationship that way. It's more of a much more sexual, straight up, I'm fucking, you know, I'm sucking, whatever, but we ain't kissing type of thing, which is, you know, wild. That's always so wild to me that, you know, but people have that hang up. And to really embracing him, kissing him full on, you know, in his drag, everything Mm -hmm. in front of everyone, you know. So there is a transformation of Montrose. And then he is celebrated for that. You know, they lift him up. He's all, you know... 
He getting his little two-step. I, I love Montrose's two-step in that. When he starts feeling the music, my man's like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> like, so Montrose he does have that loud ass shirt. It had to mesh. take away from them shiners on his eyes. Like you needed something else to look at. So you know I feel what like mean? when they first show the shirt, like it's like they have it <laughs> muted, so you can't see what the color is. And then when you come back around, you're like, wait, like, I was just like, was damn, that like color before is that? No, but but like again, that was supposed to be part, and maybe also why we say butterfly because mm-hmm. like literally he went from wearing all these muted colors, mm-hmm. no color, to now he's wearing the the brightest fucking shirt he can find. Yep. You know, titties out, all of that. <laughs> so as we continue to talk about uh, you know, people finding their people finding their people. Uh, fleeing persecution and things like that, we get to the other theme of the episode, which is what it means to be accepted, what it means to belong. Mm. Um, and 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 within that, we have a mixture of a lot of different things happening, including the exploration of identity, gender expression, gender expression and sexuality. Um, and 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 within all that, we we beg the question of ourselves: of you know, we always wear masks every day. Um, we wear masks, the masks that you know of of, for example, if you work in corporate and you're black. You know how to code switch. You wear a mask every day to either fit in uh, or to get something accomplished. And people can do it for either virtuous reasons or evil reasons. Uh, some of those examples in this episode, the fact or and, and really the entirety of this series, particularly for this one, is Macho's hiding the fact that he's gay. Mm. Macho's uh, 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 covering his or, or covering his because he's a very sensitive person, but he, he mm-hmm. covers that in violence. Mm-hmm. He covers that in, in hyper masculinity and how he treats Atticus. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in this particular episode, we see it with the fact that Christina is hiding that she's William. And when I say she's hiding, she she doesn't she doesn't lie and say she's not him. She just omits the fact that she is. <laughs> she never even tells Ruby that they the same. And and it even at one point when I thought Ruby was going to get it, like I was like, OK, <laughs> Ruby's going to get it. She don't. And I was just like. When she came uh, up out the basement, right? Right, right. And I was just like, oh, Ruby going, no, you William. And yeah. it didn't happen. And no. So, so it reminded me, that also reminded me a little bit of that whole Superman, like Superman Clark Kent thing, where it's just like, that's clearly Superman. Like, maybe Clark, she, Clark she, Kent is wearing glasses. <laughs> that's the fucking it. He, he's talking like Steve Urkel. That's fucking it. It's still the same guy. Maybe she was denying it, just like Lois Lane, you know? Maybe, maybe. it's just like. It's like my guy, you really don't know that that's the same person. I was getting dipped down by this woman, you know, like she don't want to accept that just yet. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah. Um. Oh, it happened again. Like I remember, I said people do this for virtuous or evil reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Hughes, the department store manager, after he sexually assaulted Tamara in behind the the bar, he fixed his face. He got himself together to go and pretend that he's not a predator. Um, and we see that all the time with, with predators and people who commit sexual assault and all sorts of things where they pretend to be one thing. They pretend to be someone they're not. They pretend to be someone that can save you or even protect you when in reality they just want to use you. Uh, and then, of course, we already mentioned her, but Ruby parading around as Hillary Davenport, her 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 white um, associate. <laughs> I don't know what else to call her. Her white alter her friend. ego. Her friend. Thank you. you. Know. Her, yeah. her, her Sasha <laughs> She's a white woman and she's a friend, you know. Oh God, her in, yeah, in the her, words her of alter Christina, ego. Her yeah. alter ego. Yes. Um, any other comments about about these, you know, dichotomies happening between everyone? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I think you summed it up right there. Uh, I did want to talk about Mr. Hughes and mm. is, is there what is it about the fact that 
uh, to the rest of the white women who work in the store, he's like this innocent dude. But why does uh, I, I, I no no shit? But why does he come on to or not even come on? Why does he uh, you know sexually assault Tamara and really come on to uh, Ruby as Ruby, Hillary? As Hillary, he why? But like I feel like does he smell so, the blackness? Does he know that you know? I feel like what happens is that I loved like this note Vampire. was whenever Hillary brings up to them, he's just like has is Miss um what's his face? What is his Hughes, name? Hughes, Mr. Hughes. Has Mr. Hughes ever been um mm-hmm. like flirting with like has he tried to come on to y'all? And they all pause. Yeah. They, and they all at look each at each other. other. They, they all and it was like they probably all had the same thing that went on with them, but they don't like they are not they're wary of her being mm, an assistant manager. Okay, they're not okay. going to share. She's a new girl one and two. She's an assistant manager, so they're not going to just go and tell her what's going on. And they're probably wondering like, is she corporate? Is she trying to come in here and do investigation? Right, is that HR? Like, yeah. Okay. And then also, even if they did trust her, they're still remember this is a time where you don't speak about things like that. Mm. Well before me too, well before anything, well before any woman would be believed mm. for her words. So True. even if they were to share it, where was that going to give to them besides maybe being fired? Okay, so it's not that he's a vampire who can smell the blackness in her. Hey, it could be both. <laughs> it could be both, but but point is, no, no they he. It's not that they didn't think that he was innocent. It's that they did. They, they, he clearly wasn't. They just wasn't about to put themselves out there for about that. All right. So, um, and you know, when we talk about wanting to feel accepted, wanting to be belong, this was a huge point when it came to Ruby um, when she made that decision to experience life as Hillary Davenport, and she made the the very poignant observation that she said, "People treated me." Well, it was said through William, but people treated me as a human being, mm. um, which is as you see her as she's going along town with her little outfit on, really cute outfit too. Thanks, Dana. Um, you see her just being greeted and, and moving through life without being looked up and down any type of way because she as she normally would be as a black woman in the 50s. You see her being able to go about her day unharmed, even protected. Um, even when she, when Ruby, before she did it, before she knew what was happening, when she was just, she just happened to be that white woman and she ran out screaming and, and, and upset. The first thing you see is the cops roll up and like, you're right, you're right. Did this boy hurt you? Did it? Like just immediately that protection of white tears of white women tears and, 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 and white woman fragility that, I mean, she, she got that absolutely immediately. And then, like I said, just her going throughout her day when she went to the ice cream shop and they gave her the ice cream for free. Vanilla Just ice cream. because. Huh? Vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream, too. That's another thing. Yes. Um, I, I, one of the points I wanted to make about her journey, that, 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 that day-long sequence we saw, was that, that idea of passing. Um, for those who are unaware of what that means, that's, you know, and it still happens to this day, but particularly black people who are of lighter hue who have more european features who in the past were actually able to pass as white people um i thought this was an amazing take on that idea because it takes it to a whole nother level um not only are you just passing but you are literally transformed into a white person and then walking through life uh uh using that currency to get ahead um and and the fact that because of that, Ruby feels like she's finally seen. People give her the care and empathy that she could want um, amongst 
even more like you see her as a white woman she's represented in media she's rep- she she's opening a newspaper she sees a, a beautiful white woman ad uh she's watched over as a prize as as i mentioned the police protect her protect her men go out of their way for her you saw that you see that a lot of the men are looking at her like oh you're so beautiful you're so this here's some free vanilla ice cream there's a whole bunch of shit happening but at the end of the day like i said it's it's a very interesting take on what it means to pass Portia, you had something about that ad itself, about the confidence ride. I had a thing about that ad. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and and again, this this goes into Ruby formulating her 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 persona, her Hillary persona. When she opens up the newspaper, there's an ad for this movie or this film called Confidence Girl. Um, thought it was funny and all the little taglines in it, and again. This the, the the attention to detail that this Lovecraft Country crew puts in is impeccable. One of the taglines in it is blonde and beautiful with larceny in every curve. Larceny is theft. It's theft of personal property. You can say white women have been stealing from black women for a long time and using it for their own personal gain. But now Ruby's using this as she starts stealing as a white woman. Um, she actually takes the name, I believe she takes the name Hillary because the actress name in the ad is Hillary Brooke. I don't know where Davenport comes from, but maybe she just came up with that or maybe it's somewhere I didn't see it, but I I, I thought that was that was uh, something to note. Um, and then also within that scene of her looking in the newspaper, it gave me very Zoloft ad vibes, like very, you know, depression medicine, very medication type vibes because first of all, it, it, it's the, the over, what is it called? The narration you hear, the voiceover, is from For Colored Girls, that For mm-hmm. Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Isn't Enough play. Um, and it's the play about experience of being a black woman in the 20th century. But then they add this musical flourish. You see the CG butterfly come in and it like, it's just, it's just very surreal and weird. And I, and I really thought I was watching a Zoloft ad. For the Zoloft ad, I think that, yeah, I think that this is probably the most stereotypical 1950s Make America Great Again imagery we've seen <laughs> in this show. Um, about like, this is what white people's idealistic, this is what this period of time was like for them kind of thing. And I thought it was very interesting that they presented that as like what her alter life would look be look like. It would mm-hmm. be the ideal of the 50s that all the white people talk about. Well, the ones that aren't caring about like white women's issues, because they'll say, they'll talk about that. But the ones who put the 1950s periods on a pedestal as the best period of time for all people everywhere, when it's really just for white people. Um, I thought that was a good kind of like, juxtaposition here where you're just like this is throughout this whole tv series so far we've not seen an idealized like like um is it leave it to beaver kind of like that Mm -hmm. kind of like Mm. that whole ideal and then we get it when ruby is a white woman for a day the white is right ideal Mm -hmm. and then that's really interesting too because uh, her arc like we talked about montrose's arc but like her arc is you know, she gets to see, okay, whiteness, you know, vanilla ice cream and flowers and sunshine, <laughs> you know. And then she goes to work and she gets the other side of whiteness where it's whiteness wanting to experience blackness and thinking that blackness is the way. And this is so funny that this episode is airing this week because uh, this weekend I was watching Bill Maher, which I normally don't. But he was talking to some, you know, his panel and he's having this thing about the woman who just got off for being black or whatever, uh, the Jewish woman who just said she was black. I can't remember her name, and oh. I don't care. Yeah, but he's talking about it. He's like, yo, this is about to be a trend, right? You know, white people wanting to be black. And Rachel Dolezal 
Yeah, and this white woman responds with the greatest line ever. Why? You know, <laughs> it's so beautiful because his dumb ass thinks that that, you know, is something to be desired. But Ruby learns real quickly that whiteness might not be the thing to desire, right? Because as white people want to experience the other side, you know, they want to be cool. They want to be, what she say, so groovy about the black guys in the bar and all this thing. That shit pissed me off. Of course it did. It's meant to. And then it gets later on, you get to see the real dark side of whiteness, you know, where she's like, oh, fuck, these people are just out of their fucking mind. So it starts off where, you know, you get to the good, bad, and then it gets to the darkest, darkest. And that also leads into the other thing we got to talk about is like how, you know, is it more powerful magic, whiteness, all this other thing? What's the real magic in the world? And mm-hmm. it was you made really some great. good observations about um, when it comes to remember, I talked about passing and, and mm-hmm. being black and white. You saw a lot of um, cues, visual cues in this. Episode, oh, then. man. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like, I, I didn't know the woman's name who did the costuming, but Jesus Christ, you know, like, mwah, you know, chef's just to you. Because uh, it was just so dope. Like, when Ruby first, you know, like you said, when she first makes the decision to go into Mrs. Davenport, she's wearing black and white, even as everything around her is presented in this ultra-whiteness. And then when she goes in for the job interview with Mr. Hughes, she comes in all the red, you know, because she's accepting the blood, and it's that whole vampire thing that keeps coming up in this whole episode. I mean, in this whole series throughout. Then she's back to black and white for the first day of work, which she's going in between the worlds of black and white, where she's talking to the black woman on the job and, you know, realizing that maybe she could have just applied because she had the credentials already and showing that jealousy. But then also seeing, you know, the white women who have Mm -hmm. this jealousy of black people and getting both sides of things, right? And then the white women, that was something that killed me. You know, the white women are like, you know, wear this black stiletto heel and live a little, you know, black. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and I, and I thought when I when I saw Benamin's nose, I thought he was tripping, and then I said, "Wait a minute, <laughs> he's dead ass right," because everything because of everything he says, and then also like even when I went back into these scenes again, that the Zoloff ad scene that I call when <laughs> Hillary is reading the the newspaper, there's an ad for an ointment that is called black and white oint black and white ointment, mm-hmm. and the newspaper the newspaper is black and white. She's sitting near nuns that are wearing their habits, which is black and white clothing. Like, it just keeps repeating itself. And I'm just like, this nigga got an eye. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm just saying. It's like, it's like, if you open your third eye, you'll yeah. see like, the and, black and, also, and, and the white. And, and I want to be clear. Like, I know sometimes the <laughs> listeners are listening to us like they are reaching like yoga. But I'm telling you, we are not imagining this stuff. Like, it's right there. <laughs> and that's something I wanted to talk about because something I learned in film school is that nothing happens or it shouldn't there should be nothing on camera that the director isn't aware of right? right so we were talking about that earlier with the nudity of Atticus and you were like Yo, I just saw the dude nude and they just wanted to have another reason <laughs> to have him nude but that's not really the well, case that's because I'm childish I know and I know that and I get that but I just want to make sure that the listeners know that that's not the case if a, any director worked or assault if it's on the screen it's for a reason and so him being nude mm-hmm. being watched by white women was for a very specific specific fucking reason mm-hmm. and all these little visual cues are for a very specific reason because in the final scene when she's wearing the uh, woman's skin again and she goes in for the sexual assault on Mr. Hughes with the black stiletto she's wearing a leopard skin you know she's fully adapted to you know it's like I she's the say, predator now she's the predator there you go there you go boom and it's like all her man props you know she stuffs the red um thing into his mouth the little red the panties. 
panty. Oh, that's what they were. Yeah, I thought it was a handkerchief. I can see what it was. I, I mean, because damn, fam, it's like you think you winning, and then it all goes bad suddenly. You know, that's how it was for my man. You know, panties in the mouth, like it's going great. No, 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 it's not, fam. But no. even whenever he was getting gagged, he was like, oh, oh another, he, another. He yeah, that's what I mean. That's it. what I mean. He panties in the mouth. Yeah, that's fine. You know, a little, little, you know, a little belt around the neck. You know, it, hey, dog walk that bitch. Hey, yeah. hey, some people enjoy these things. You know, not to knock anyone, but then you know it, it went a little too far you know what i mean at least macho spit some lube on it before he you know went to work okay like, please no, just, hey hey it was on like screen that, for a reason do it and i i get it and i don't like it i don't like who anybody who does, that's i don't like it anyway. yeah i mean and also to hey. draw the difference between consensual sex and what happened yes, there far from and it. i think mm-hmm. it's i think but for the leopard thing like i don't whenever i saw your note about her wearing leopard skin i was thinking not like that um sh- i mean yes she was predator but also like is that like a nod to her like being black and that's like a jungle thing like it's not mm-hmm. supposed to be like yeah. oh she's like she's um because what Christina said to her before she did it was that like you didn't take you to understand you should be whoever you want to be you should do whatever whatever the f you want to do mm-hmm. um with this. this is what this is supposed to be it's supposed to allow you to do whatever it is you want to do and so it for me her like, Ruby choosing to do this I'm like this is who Ruby is underneath it all she's just like she's enraged against white people and she's ready to like be as ruthless as they are mm-hmm. to them and and it's it's both both of those at once. It's her accepting the predator in herself. It's like what we were saying. It's like it's a Doctor Jekyll. Uh, I keep getting confused. Mister Hyde or Doctor Jekyll? I always fuck that up. <laughs> Mister Hyde is Mister Hyde is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. But Doctor Jekyll chose. He chose yeah, to do yeah. it. So yeah, and so did Ruby. Ruby chose to do everything. That's the thing. Is it's like that's what that's what Christina was saying. Like it lets you be who you are. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about you're not being someone else. It's about it's who are you? And Ruby is that bitch. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. It's like, I ain't, what? This is what I can do when I can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I will rape this, well, not rape, sexually assault this dude, expose well, him for his nonsense. She was punishing him. Punish she, him. Yes. He, which he, 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 he Frank Castle, that man. <laughs> but also, I just wanted to bring up the note too. Earlier in the episode, he asked, like during her interview, he asked her who she really is, and she gives this really nice, soft version of herself. Yeah. Like, like without <laughs> her going through the what happened, uh, her being reminded about white people's cruelty, like when she's in the closet with a, a man who's just like effed up or whatever. Before that happens, she's like, you know, who I truly am is a person who has worked hard. I got all these like uh, things from my res. You know, mm-hmm. I. Um, wanted, always wanted to work here because my mother she would have my sister and I walking up and down and it would give us confidence because the ladies were nice to us and I just wanted to be on the other side of the counter and do the same thing for people and it's completely opposite of where she is by the end of the episode and she's doing she's committing this violence against the person who asked her who she was earlier in the episode um, and then has changed to this other person after speaking to the person who gave her the ability to change into a whole other person so it's interesting Mm-hmm. How those things yeah. like change in just that quick of a period, right? Yes, definitely. We mentioned Christina saying some very profound words this episode, and she really drops mad messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a huge message she drops when she talks about the currency of magic and and the uh, mitigated freedom magic brings. Mm-hmm. No, I just thought that was so ill, and now it's just like what we just said that it's not about that. That's what Ruby has to realize. You know, it's like. And we'll probably see something like another divergence from the book here where this story keeps going because Ruby is realizing that, you know, she can use magic to 
and mm-hmm. that it's not about just turning into white people. You know, it's about doing whatever you want. So that was, you know, really interesting. I, um, Christina and William, like you said, I just love them both. Now I think, you know, they're, that's your fave now. Oh man, <laughs> I think yeah. stay at home girl episode two, but by now episode one, ooh. you know she's still a monster. Don't get me wrong, but I just love that they revel in her. You know they just they know they know who they are and they accept it. You know, and they're yeah. about that life. And now Ruby knows who she are is and accepts it. And it's like everybody in this episode is going through that. Montrose is finding out who he is and accepting it. Uh, Atticus and um. I was calling them Leticus. Can I uh, hashtag Leticus? Yes, hashtag Leticus. I like it. Yeah, hashtag Leticus. Leticus. Yes, both find out who they are. You know, Mm -hmm. in this episode. So this whole episode is about people accepting who they are, so we Mm -hmm. can move on. Because, like we say, we halfway through the season, we on the. You know, now it's time to really get into it. So it was beautiful, man. In this Lovecraft world, what's more powerful, whiteness or magic? Ooh. Is it one and the same? That's the other thing. Or is it one and the same? Because I saw the contrast when Ruby mentioned using her whiteness as currency when she got like the free ice cream and all the other stuff. And then Christina saying, the, actually, the currency is magic. Mm-hmm. And then also you see the whiteness, you know, which I guess we should just get into what the fuck was going on in Chief's office. Because whiteness has a whole other dark side to it. We are like. <laughs> what, what, what? yeah in, in chief's office i mean there was a couple things going on there <laughs> uh, when when ruby was sneaking in there to drop the the, the stone or whatever that was the blarney stuff <laughs> i call it the blarney stuff but when <laughs> she went in there uh she she heard this and first of all rule number 45 of horror movies if you hear something coming in the closet don't investigate just leave but she she checks it out because you know we're back in you know scary movie times Mm -hmm. so she investigates she finds this man gagged and bound in the closet it looks like his i don't know if his neck has been slit and then stapled back together or or sutured back together i don't know but he he looks a bit gory he apparently stinks who knows how long he's been hanging there bloodied and all the other stuff so something's happening with that body uh, you see when the chief, when she has to hide in there and the chief and, and his folks come in, when the chief changes his shirt, it looked like he had a black man's torso. And I thought I was tripping, but I, <laughs> once again, I checked my sparkling water and make sure nothing was in it. And I looked at that scene again. I ran it back. I saw it was much darker than the rest of his body. I'm like, I know that ain't no tan. Mm-mm. And on top of that, that torso looked like it was, again, sutured or stapled together to the rest of his body. Yep. So now you're getting, I mean, there's lots of themes here, but just sticking with what we just said about this this magic and more metamorphosis and all this other stuff. What the fuck going on? Uh, there's a lot. There's also reference to the actual history of violence. The graphic novel has a scene much reminiscent of this scene where there really? is a- yeah, where there's a man being tortured for a long time and held and, you know, something like that. And dude who was in the closet, it looked like his neck was black. There was blood gushing out of it like the sutures weren't working right or whatever. Like or he staples just, Yeah, or he'd just been yeah. tortured. It was pretty disgusting. Didn't and he say chief, his tongue was cut out too? Uh, well, they asked, the, the cronies in the office asked had the man started talking yet. You know, the man who'd stolen something, has he started mm. talking yet? And the chief's like, not yet, but all men do. And uh, the chief definitely looked stapled together. The you know the obvious Frankenstein references. I feel like this is more foreshadowing when we when we get into like a Frankenstein episode down the line. But there was definitely some Frankensteinian shit there. Like I said, the history of violence and just the overall idea to you know 
being on the white side of things ain't all it's cracked up to be. It's yeah. disgusting. Was this not very get out? This was very get out. Very remember, get out. Remember how in get out they was like they basically take the black bodies and start living in the black bodies? Mm. Like that and that's why I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it's 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 quite a wait, lot. Wait, wait a minute. Okay. Hiram. Fucking Hiram. Remember? Yeah. He, yeah. Yes, he yes. he was cutting black bodies apart. Yes. And he was and putting remember, them together. And, and, and you and saw the ghost, how the ghost, how, like, you know, the, the one with the baby head with the man's body and all that. He Wait a minute. Is, is, that, is that baby head's body? Did my man got baby head's body? <laughs> well, no, it was a baby head and a man's body. He yeah. has somebody's body. I, he Maybe he has one of those ghosts' body. I don't, yeah. I don't. But it's interesting, though, because he also, like, he couldn't get to the cop himself. Couldn't didn't seem like he could get into the house like the Winthrop house the way yeah, he wanted mm-hmm. to because you know yeah. what I'm saying. So but I, how... I thought that was that magic against that was protecting. That was Hiram protecting well, the house. That was Hiram. Still. Hiram was still protecting. Yeah. The house. Hiram was stopping anybody else from coming in. Oh, so yeah, it ain't Hiram fucking with that body. And somehow this dude, there, there's multiple people chopping up bodies. Then. Maybe, but as we learn, even with Christina, like. Hiram was the kind of the epicenter of all of this. Even mm-hmm. trans- the transformation, the metamorphosis portion, potion, all of this, the science behind it. Like perhaps they were in leagues, the chief yep. and them at some point. Yeah, you know, or, or at least they learned from Hiram because I think it was a while ago. And, and then maybe when Hiram got killed, he was, you know, maybe the chief killed Hiram, and then that's why he mad, you know. But I'm mad. Tra- I was like, that was interesting. I still am not clear on the magic of the house because I don't because it seemed like Christina was halted by the blood on she the was. bench. She so was. It's but but yeah. she also said before that she could that they had trouble getting in the house. Uh, period. Because of Hiram, and she said, "How did you get rid of Hiram?" That's the big problem. But I'm saying though, like she seemed to think that she could just walk into the house, so she could walk into the house. Yeah, because she, she knew Hiram just... was drawn at that point. That's oh, the thing. Okay. Yeah, she's already like, oh, these Negroes dealt with Hiram. Now I'm good. <laughs> you know that. I, I thought it was like a scared of like she was like, I can't, I can get into the house, but I'm gonna get pushed out because Hiram's gonna come after me and push me back out the house. That's what I'm I thought. Send it was. her invitation, like the vampire she is. Hiram's gonna do a lot worse than push her ass out the house, and that's what she expected. Like everyone expected that about that house. Anyone going in there is dead. That was the thing, you know. That was why the chief couldn't go. No one. It was like because Hiram ain't fucking with nobody. Yeah. yeah. So Letty's yeah. basically like a sacrificial. Uh, like she's yes. like, oh, you're gonna be an yes. unknowing sacrifice. And then did she know that Letty was a virgin? Because that's like all the horror tropes right there. Sending the virgin to the haunted house to be a sacrifice. And also, you're choosing the virgin who will survive. You know, that's the thing. It's always the virgin who survives. The other ones get killed, and in, in horror, at least, you know, once you have sex, it's a wrap. This is why I love listening to the Safe Negro podcast because we start figuring out things as we're talking about them <laughs> um, and, and sharing it with you all when we have these revelations. Um, another revelation that I had and uh, again, part of these messages that Christina kept peppering throughout the episode, she made the the comment that about science and magic and, you know, basically kind of one and the same at that point. It reminded mm-hmm. me of this quote from British sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke, which is technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, and Ben, as I mentioned to you, what's, you know, what is the more powerful whiteness or magic? You said maybe they're both one and the same. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, a theme that has been running. Um, and also just interestingly, uh, Arthur C. Clarke that I mentioned, he had three laws or Clarke's three laws where he talked about, again, like I said, um, Advanced technology is indistinguishable indistinguishable from magic. Uh, one of the other laws is um, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture past them into the impossible. And then the third, 
Um, when a scientist says that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. But when he states that something is impossible, mm-hmm. he is very probably wrong. That's and, one of my favorites. And it's important to mention those laws because, again, this goes right back to everything Christina has been saying about having unmitigated freedom, um, going beyond your limits. Uh, and again, just seeing that, you know, is it science? Is it magic? Who cares? It's, it's, it, it, they're all one and the same at this point. It's freedom. It's freedom. But I also think about how white people have used science and been free about it, like from the Tuskegee experiments to mm. um, all of the Holocaust, all the, all the Holocaust doctors, all the things they did to uh, people that they had in those camps and how they went free. At, a lot of them went free. They joined NASA. They did mm-hmm. all kinds of things with their whiteness after committing such like horrors and atrocities. So like the whiteness, like it's part of like it's the science and it's the magic. Yeah, it's both. Yes. And the whiteness is the freedom. That's, uh, you know, in this country and in this world, whiteness, especially male whiteness, is going to give you a certain level of freedom that, you know, you can have all the science and the magic in the world that you want. Uh, Oh, and this goes back to the Hulk. There was a great issue of, I want to say it's Ta-Nehisi Coates writing uh, Black Panther, where he has this dude give a speech. um, Two black characters are talking. And uh, one of them is a super genius, you know, but he's also a criminal. And the whole speech turns into like the Hulk only can exist because he's white, right? If he yeah. would, if Bruce Banner was black, he would be killed immediately. Immediately, you know, it's just not happening, and it was just this ill take. And that's why the dude was like, "You can't, you know, as a you can't." And that's what he was saying: you got to be better than that. You can't be a criminal dog because they're gonna kill you. You know, it's like you you need to use his genius for something other than running around trying to, you know, be a criminal and shit. But that's really ill because the magic is the whiteness and the technology being indistinguishable magic comes from at an advanced point. Right. So once whiteness gets to an advanced point, it's indistinguishable from magic as well. Absolutely. Yo, mm-hmm. you thought General Ross hated the Hulk before. What if he was black? Fam. He it wouldn't be a hate. He wouldn't have made it. He yeah, it's not a hate. It. It's a rap. You know, it's like, <laughs> he wouldn't have to hate him because he wouldn't be worried. He'd be like, He would have become a government experiment. Yeah. He would have become a government <laughs> freaking experiment. He yeah. would have been, they'd be like, oh, because like, again, an angry Negro? An angry Hulk out Negro? Negro, no. No. You dead the first time you go to sleep, fam. The first time you turn back to Bruce, it's a rap. <laughs> but that's the thing though like on um in the mcu version at least he says that hulk ate the bullets so yes. maybe well, he didn't get away man they would have they would have made they would have seen how many bullets his ass would eat <laughs> listen but that's also another dr jekyll mr hyde right there yeah. yep every time um also <laughs> in every episode there's like that vampirism just coming back again to bite you in your neck and uh, <laughs> uh, Ruby drinking the blood. Uh, she's wearing the red gloves when she wins the out of the white wood. She wears the red when she comes in on Mr. Hughes for the first time. Wearing Ruby earrings. That's ill. I didn't even peep that man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the attention to detail is so she- great. Mm-hmm. The stuff's the red scarf in his mouth. Panties. Panties. Yeah. You know, like I say, my man, it was a, it was a good day for my man. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it wasn't. And then until it wasn't. Till it wasn't. That's what I mean. It was great. It was like, yes. Ooh. Everything I like, you know, demanding women like, mm. and then nope. No, it's terrible. Um, Yeah. So the vampirism, I think, wasn't as, you know, uh, other than uh, this other like, Porsche, I don't know what werewolf movies you've seen, but this was like. It was up there with me, uh, American Werewolf in London, the Howling films. I thought that, I mean, I will say hats off to the um, creature features in this episode because it was disgusting. 
You know, like them transformations I mean, were, they were up there. I'll give you that. They were up there. The werewolf transformations in Underworld, um, the film series with, uh, with what's her name? What's her name? Kate uh, Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. And all of them, the werewolf's transformation is is violent. Yeah. Like, they, they are in pain. They're going through it, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I've seen it happen a lot. Yeah, American, yeah, we- American werewolf in London is And disgusting. Gross. But yeah. I feel like the blood... Maybe it's because I'm just, like, very blood-averse. But it's yeah. just, like, horrible blood in, in, in When I see Lovecraft, blood, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I just can't. Like, I literally just can't with blood. And oh, okay. it... I, I, Ooh. I agree with you, and as much as I'm gore averse, I have to say that the special effects in this episode were Ooh. on point. Yo. I mean, to even think about what that would look like to, as you say, molt or shed someone else's skin from mm-hmm. your body. Um, the closest thing that, I, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't even close, but but something kind of analogous, analogous to is was uh, is Men in Black, where they were using the the aliens would use human skins. Like they were just mm-hmm. like kind of squeezing themselves into human skins, like banana peels. Yes. So, so it, it was grotesque in a different way, but this idea of like the skin, just, just pe- melting and peeling off to reveal of someone inside it, gross but so well done but i feel like it wasn't just the skin it was like their organs were changed it it was like the fact that all of it was just it just like i can't like i really just can't i loved it i mean i'm I'm not not in a i'm not into gore ben so that's that's all your link see i'm not (laughs) the funny thing is like most people who listen to for all nerds for a long time i'm not the biggest horror and i'm not the biggest gore fan but what the gore i don't like is torture gore you know i don't like to see people tortured and all that no no but i like transformation and ill like you know creature effects gore i love it and like I say, the old Howling joints, American Werewolf in London. But my two favorites in this one was uh, William and the Christina. How Christina just bust out that dude. Like, that mm-hmm. was so sick. And then the last Ruby transformation went. I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the word, but it's a slow. Is that how you pronounce it? Like sloth. 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 I love that word, but I never really know how to pronounce it. Sloth salt to spin. Like. When it just, how her skin just sloughs off, just slid off her body, and she was just peeling it back. And then the ill shit that I only noticed on the second one is when, the at the moment when she should have realized that William is Christina, or she's denying it, or whatever. I swore, when, when Christina grabbed her by the arm. Yeah, no, but she's sitting there, Um, no, not, not at that point. I mean, later on, when she's sitting there, oh. and Christina comes up out the basement, you know, and she's right. like, yeah, but no, she's sitting there next to her skin. She brought her skin home with her. Mm-hmm. It is sitting there next to her on the couch. And I, I, I cried the second time I peeped that. Oh, yeah. my God. They got very familiar with the gore. <laughs> yes. When I saw her whole back, she reached into her own backside. Yes. I was like, I cannot. Like, Love I'm it. done. I got to look away from the screen until I oh, hear the so sounds good. go away. It was, it was so, so disgusting. And then... Oh my gosh! Like for Christina, it's like whenever you talk about her like popping out, it's, it like gives me like the birth of like that the um that painting where there's like in a shell and then there's like that figure like naked or whatever like the birth of Venus mm. or whatever that is, mm. um like or like Athena popping out as like a just a mm-hmm. big birth, like one of those like mythical births or whatever. Yeah, it was, was so great. I was interested to know what is it what's different about Christina's um transfiguration like uh, that than than rubies because to me it felt like rubies didn't last that long and and maybe it was just the way that they wrote it we always was there when she was about to turn back or something was going to go wrong but it just felt like with christina it lasted all fucking day i don't we didn't see her taking a potion Mm. maybe she she does take potions throughout the day who knows or is her magic stronger or she's doing it a different way because uh 
Oh, yeah. It's probably just her having done it for a long time. You know, that's the thing. Her magic being used to it, her accepting it. I think but, it's, it just lasted yeah. for her, which is Popping funny. potions, too. You know, I think, who knows? I think, when, it's a, I think it's a difference in alter egos. I think that for... Because we're going to... If it's like the book, the vials of blood that we're going to find mm-hmm. out the origin of or whatever, mm-hmm. um, Ruby's transformation isn't a transformation that she magically created for herself. It's she's actually imbibing someone else's identity. Mm. Versus, I think for Christina, she's probably created William as an alter ego through magic. I feel like the carving, like the um, raised like um, skin that he has, like the, is a the, spell the ram, yeah. on his. Okay. On his, it's probably his trans- the her transformation spell for William or whatever. So I feel like magic. I feel like William is probably just a magically developed alter ego. So it's not like the same metamorphosis because it's a spell. It's something. It's something different than the blood magic mm-hmm. transfusion that she's been feeding to ruby mm. okay okay so so it's 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 more powerful white magic uh because funny enough when ruby left her first day of work and william was in the back first of all william looked sexy as hell not even gonna lie he was posted the fuck up he looked good <laughs> the he looked the fuck good he was standing in front of a wrigley's gum ad that said the flavor lasts <laughs> And I was just like, okay, bro. Like, Which flavor was it, though? You know, <laughs> but you I seem was to be like, lasting on them stairs. Right. When I saw that, I was like, is Christina has some different type of magic? That's why her shit lasts longer or is stronger? I don't know. But uh, that was one of the biggest flexes of all flexes for full William. So I thought that shit was cute. I thought it was funny how William was just like, like bemused by the women's reactions. Because they were like looking at William like he was an idol or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he was the a superstar. He did yeah. look good. But like, they got the car. Come on, man. <laughs> it was funny how he, he was looking back at them like, Cadillac. yeah, girl, I'm cute. And like, knowing that that was Christina. And she's like, yeah, girl, I'm cute to these women or whatever. Yes. Hilarious to me. Chicks did the car. <laughs> like Batman oh, said. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um... Uh, so, so that kind of rounded out to one of the the last major things about the the general love story that's been developing between Tick and Letty. Or you said uh, what is the, the name you gave them? Leticus, baby. Hashtag Leticus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about their love a little bit, Ben? I mean, it, it was really nice, you know. <laughs> you um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like it, it was like the, you know they still are dealing with the repercussions, repercussions of every episode that we've seen already, and their whole history, you know, and the fact that they have never really seen true love. And this, like we say, everything goes back. You know, I hate to be that one, but like you said, you know, I thought you was tripping at first, but everything goes back <laughs> to slavery. You know, it all goes back, and these people are what two generations out of slavery you know yeah. if that you know if that like they really are like you know the the grandchildren of slaves you know at most so you know they're dealing with all this you know pent up they've never seen a family structure that's right they've never seen love in the right way they've never been able to express love in the right way you know Atticus father has had to deal with all this that he's transferred on to Atticus Atticus says that he didn't know about that he had that inside him until he went to the war and it was brought out of him. And that deals with his whole, this relationship with his woman, Gia, which we'll get into. But it was dope to see them both being there for each other, to see this black love expressed on screen. The music for the scene was fire. They both mm-hmm. looked great. You know, it was mm-hmm. beautiful. Shout and out to the trainer. <laughs> shout out to the trainer again. And then to culminate in the scene in the bathtub where they really expressed themselves to each other and revealed mm-hmm. themselves to each other. And I guess we would say go from being the caterpillars to the butterflies in this episode and really grow into this, you know, beautiful love. And hopefully this will sustain. And 
one of them doesn't get killed or something because, you know, <laughs> that's just how this show seems to be going. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, remember when they first had sex together, like, that was Letty's first time. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, I mean, it was aggressive. They both wanted it, but it yeah. was aggressive. And that's not necessarily, hey, some people be different. That may not necessarily what you want your first time to be like. Mm-hmm. So I did like that this was more sensual. Um, that it was more love-filled and, and as you said, they had a chance to really express their emotions physically with each other. And let down their guard to each other, which is something yeah. that we don't get to do a lot of people. You know, we well, are And always, I think you don't yeah. see it enough as black people, black mm, couples on screen. No, not nearly enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, Jess, we've said it a few times in different ways, but white feminism was a big deal this episode. Ain't it um, always? <laughs> Yo, uh, uh, and again, that just that the idea of feminism only uh, aiding white women. Um, you see the white co-workers in the department store calling Tamara a Negro. And then one of the women saying, well, at least I didn't use the less civilized terms. Oof. Like, come on. Um, you know, Christina thinking like when she was talking to Ruby and saying, hey, you know, you should you should help me. She's thinking she's empathizing by saying, oh, we're women and we need to go rule the world. But she misses a larger point that Ruby is a black woman and is going through a completely different life experience than her. Um, and then also just in general, white femi- white feminism misses and or willfully ignores the importance of the intersection of womanhood with being a woman of color and all the u- unique issues that go hand in hand with that. Mm. So that got repeated quite a lot during this episode. That being said, <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I was waiting on y'all. You know, I didn't want to jump in on the feminism shit. You know, that's all. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let y'all no. If first. you have something to say, please. I mean, I didn't really have anything to say, but that shit permeates every goddamn minute of this show. You know, and every minute of every episode, it's just like that's just how it go down. Absolutely. It's a damn shame. Uh, as we round out our review recap, we wanted to take a moment to talk through or just mention some of the inspirations of the reveals that happened throughout the episode. These are the things that um, that we may not have mentioned before that may have been Easter eggs with, with a, some additional meaning to it um, or details that got released. And then we'll talk. We'll just mention all the music that was mentioned. Excuse me. That was shown throughout or heard throughout the episode um we have what i thought was huge i flipped out montrose when he visits the drag queen he goes to the cabrini green projects which is where the film Candyman takes place mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll see in early 2021 the nia Costa remake um uh, Karina Karina Green, Green's like one of the most famous, you know, as we know, projects in Chicago. One of the most famous projects. So for them to use that as a historical site was incredible. And then with the mention of Candyman, that goes back to how this show has taken um, re- references from a whole bunch of horror films. We have things like The Exorcist, like I said, the the crumping of the bodies, <laughs> the, 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 the the body. There's somebody inside of your body. Um, Candyman. Uh, uh, I mentioned men in black, people emerging from other skins as your alter egos. And, you know, we mentioned um, um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, one of the other points I wanted to make sure we talked about was when Atticus created that cipher in an attempt to decipher the scrolls that Letty took a photo of. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to get maybe like halfway through the alphabet and in do and using all these ciphers that he created, he was able to reveal his full name which is Atticus Samson Freeman. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he was actually named after his grandfather on his mother's side. Interesting enough, enough, Samson is a biblical figure. He's known about his incredible physical strength because of his hair. Um, Samson is actually analogous to Heracles, the Greek god, which is also known as Hercules. And he's known for his, his superhuman strength. So again, we have that writing line of, of the Greek mythology within this show. 
Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he did he please correct me if I'm wrong. Did he decipher the word die? Yes, he did. Yeah. And it's like uh, the, the letters from inside his ring. What does it mean? Well, okay, there's a few things there we got to talk about, right? Uh, um, yeah. Atticus's dreams from this episode and the first episode. Um, some of the writers have talked about are Atticus's dreams foreshadowing? Are they things he's gone through before? Is mm-hmm. this like, is him coming to Chicago the first time that he's encountered the supernatural? Or does he have a history with the supernatural? Just like we all assume that Montrose already has this history with the supernatural, mm-hmm. right? So, um, at the one thing about the Samson reference and everything is that Samson is also used from Rastafarians. That's where a lot of the inspiration comes from, the not cutting of the hair. Also, mm. Jewish, you know, pretty much every culture has this idea of, oh God, I want to say it's a Nazarite oath to not cut your hair and everything. But back to him deciphering die, right? Atticus then goes and calls up uh, G.I., the woman who a lot of people have seen from the trailers. She mm-hmm. appeared in his first dream as mm-hmm. a representation of Dorja. Prince of, of the Mars. Yep, of the Princess of Mars, of Dorja Thoris. I, I, I think I was backwards her name. But the Princess of Mars. And she has a history. And according to her character notes on like the web and whatnot, it says that she is a medical student who gets caught up in the war that Atticus is involved in. But also has, there's some disappearances of soldiers around her. Like the mysterious disappearance of all these different soldiers. So Atticus calls her at the end and he asks her, how did you know? Because whenever he sees this word die, it's something that she must have told him was going to happen when he went back to Chicago. So he says, how did you know? And then he asks, what are you? And that's what the episode ends on, is him asking that. And there are some clues to what G.I. actually is in some of the trailers. People have not figured it out exactly yet, but there's something to do with tentacles involving her. And we all know that Cthulhu Cthulhu has something to do with tentacles. So I think we might see this next week, hopefully, or, you know, definitely in the next five episodes. We're going to learn a lot more about their history, about Atticus's history, about what happened with him, about why she appeared to him in his vision as this woman trying to kill him. You know, there's a lot of been hints hints about her character and stuff like through the trailers and even through the show, but we still don't know exactly what is going on and how she knows so much and what Atticus knew before he came here. So I love that ending, yo. That whole, you know, what are you just whew, that got me. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, it was very mystery like mystery theater type. <gasps> Who did it? What is this new information that we have? It was really cool. I think it's also like it's also great how the writers have kind of like made that she made her a mystery woman to us and now mm-hmm. she's also a mystery yeah. to Atticus so that gets a yeah. good like personal flow of the story mm-hmm. um but also I like talking about Atticus's dreams like whenever mm-hmm. he runs into his ancestor he has a he goes through that um kind of like the same thing that happened to him in the second episode where he's running out of the house and he sees his ancestor she's leading the way um and she's holding mm-hmm. that book I'm also just, and she's smiling something to him and he's looking at her confused. Like he doesn't understand what she's saying. And then that's mm-hmm. when he had this fire. I'm like, did she have time to try to say something to him during the original, like when he was first wa- running through the house, trying to like make it out. 
Um, well, she she did say something to him in the original time, but I couldn't make it out. And again, mm-hmm. you hear talking, you can't make out what she's saying. I was hoping that someone turned on closed caption and would and you would see something. I couldn't find but, closed captions. Uh, I guess yet. like after after it airs. Uh, I don't kinda, think they revealed even then. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think they the name it, but I'm like, I have to, do I have to slow down her face and try to lip read? Try to read her lips? <laughs> We yeah. do it all here, y'all. We try so hard. <laughs> We've done it. We've done it all. Facts. We've done it all. But that's uh, something there I yeah. want to know something because is that his grand is he dreaming that he's his grandfather right there? Right? Is that his grandfather? Because he's wearing different clothes. I thought, yeah. was he thought that's his great. To, like, I thought that was his like six times great grandmother. But you mean, you mean like t- like? But that's that's Titus. That's Titus. Yeah. Is he dreaming that he's the white man grandfather? Is he dreaming that he's Titus Brackley? Burning up in the house. Ooh. Yeah. Very, yeah. Probably. So maybe she was mouthing go fuck yourself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what? What? I didn't hear you. I said. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So that, going to that, <laughs> let's round this out by just mentioning the music that was played throughout this episode. Uh, in that love scene with, with Leticus, uh, Black Atlas's Return to Love is playing. Ooh, Android is a banger. I didn't know about that one, but goddamn. Yeah, I, I really like that song. Um, Hell when, yeah. when Ruby is rub dubbing in the tub, she is humming, singing Devil in the Deep Blue Sea, which was originally recorded by Cab Calloway, who is a black entertainment legend, most commonly associated with the Cotton Club in Harlem. Uh, during Montrose and Sammy's love scene, we hear Bad Religion by Frank Ocean. Um, when Ruby, whenever really, because this happened twice, when Ruby is in Marshall Fields, the department store, Money by Cardi B plays. Mm-hmm. Um I like this, how they did this one. Tutti Fruity, which is co-written by Little Richard and Dorothy Labostri, has played in this episode actually twice. Um, when the girls are dancing in the back room, they're listening to the whitewash version by Pat Boone. And when Montrose and the drag queens are getting ready in Cabrini Green, they're listening to the Little Richard version. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, uh, oh, when Montrose is at the ball, we hear Lonely World by Moses Sumney. Mm-hmm. Um, Another banger. Yes, absolutely. Um during oh when 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 ruby is giving mr hughes the business with the stiletto bodak yellow by excuse me yellow who, who wrote yellow bodak it's bodak yellow yeah. by cardi b starts playing um there's a there's one more uh my baby's dearest darling by the charms when is that playing that's actually playing uh i want to say well, that's one of the. If you're not sure, that's okay. But that's one of the other, the last. Yeah, ones I, that, I can't. I'm sorry, it's slipping my in mind. This episode. And also, uh, tonight you belong to me by Patience and Prudence is playing in the first scene when uh, the police are bringing uh, her back home to William. Tonight you uh, belong to me. Yo, William flex hard as fuck. This Even episode. with the music, yeah, the music flex. Do you yeah. see how he picked her up though when he was when when they gave when they delivered mm-hmm. Hillary to him? He was yes. like, "Come on, woman!" Like yes. I loved it. <laughs> you belong to me, it. you know. I loved it. Um, so that is the end of our analysis of episode five, "Strange Case of." Lovecraft Country. This has been the Safe Negro Podcast. Make sure you are following us on the socials at Safe Negro Pod on all the interwebs. Uh, you can also hit us up individually. I'm at Tatiana King. He's at DJ Ben Amin. And she is at poor underscore she underscore uh. We're going to work on that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I said, Please. make sure you're following us. Also, make sure that you hit us up on our 
um, on our, if you want a t-shirt, because everyone, I've seen a lot of t-shirts been, been bought. My t-shirt's on the way. Ben Amin has the flyer no T-Snaps 100s, the no port. Portia has on the Safe Negro Podcast logo shirt. My podcast shirt is in the way, is on the way. But you can hit us up, hit up our T Public page, tpublic.com slash for all nerds, and you'll be able to see all sorts of for all nerds merch as well as Safe Negro Podcast merch. You can get all of this stuff in t shirt form, hoodie form, put it on a mask, whatever you like. On a um, mug. A mug. Whatever, my guy. Whatever makes you happy. Portia, that's the new pink joint? Yeah, this is the. It's just the Ooh, pink. that shit is clean. If I get you can see it with the yes, car stand on up. It. Oh, uh, oh, wait, no, no, you the There you go. There you go, right there. Yep. But we see the no, car oh! color. <laughs> For those watching right now on twitchtv slash nerds where you should be watching a live broadcast at all times of us, me DJing, plus the For All Nerds show and the Safe Negro Podcast show. You just saw Portia with her sick that colorway. That colorway is. We got the colorways. So that being said, we will see you soon. Peace out. Yer. These is bloody shoes.